We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. This is part two of the Raymond Verheyen interview that we did last week. We talk about coach education. I really wanted to chat about this, just about how Raymond looks at coach education in general, but also how he pushes and challenges coaches, how they, how they learn on his courses. So really interesting. I give my thoughts at the end of this here, and I have a few. So... Let me know what you think at Gary Kernin on Instagram, at Gary Kernin on Twitter. We've teamed up with Coach Tech Soccer for this interview. Analysis Centre platform who offer online courses in opposition scouting and post-game analysis. Designed by professional coaches, scouts and analysts, their courses have been successfully educating youth, college and professional coaches over the last three years. You can get 20% off any Coach Tech course using the code MSC20 up until July 14th. I highly recommend you do it. I've taken Ollie's courses, Oliver Gage, top class, got a lot from it. So please go ahead, check it out. Here is Raymond, enjoy. You've a great reputation in coach education, challenging coaches whenever they go into your environment and your courses not just in terms of the information you're giving them but also in how they conduct themselves how important do you think it is that coaches are put under pressure when they are in the learning environment uh, that depends on uh, what objective you have uh, because if 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 your only objective if your only objective is to download knowledge in the brain of your of your students then it's not necessary the reason why i do it is from a personal development point of view yeah so not from a knowledge point of view the knowledge is what i share in a course the personal development component has to do with how i deliver so that means eh, that I have to explain what I mean with, uh, with personal development. Just think back, think back to all the coaching courses that you have done in the past. How often did it happen? Was it the rule or was it the exception on the rule that the course had already started and then coaches came in late is that very rare in coaching courses or does that happen frequently what would you say i'd say it's pretty frequent yeah yeah so coaches arriving late at the course yes but when those coaches back home are coaching their players are their players allowed to come late or if that happens the coach has an opinion about them what would you say oh yeah it's it's addressed for sure yeah 
do you see that that is the beginning of double standards? Mm -hmm. So these coaches, by coming late at a course, they are not practicing what they're preaching. Mm -hmm. Next question. When you did those coaching courses in the past, or when you are delivering sessions yourself, are coaches messing around with their phone during the course? Are phones on the table? Does that happen very rarely or does that happen frequently? What would you say? Frequently. Yeah. Those same coaches, when they back home, work with their players and they have a team meeting, are those, co are those players allowed to mess around with their phone in a team meeting or does the coach want full attention when he is evaluating the game? What, what would you say? Yeah, no chance. Yeah, full attention. That's already the second example of double standards. Mm -hmm. If the coaches in your in the courses that you have been, were they just walking in and out if they had to go to the toilet or do something else? Or did they communicate with the coach educator? Or did they just walk in and out? What would you say? They would just walk in and out. They walk in and out. Yeah. And not all of them, but walking in and out is the rule and communicating with the coach educator is the exception on the rule. Okay. Those same coaches who walk in and out of a session during a course, when they work with their players back home, can the players walk in and out at their own convenience or do the coach, do the coaches expect their players to communicate with them if they have to go to the toilet or do something else? What would you say? Uh, I think the toilet one is there is some players that, you know, if someone has to go, you don't have to. It's not a classroom setting. You can go. No, that was not my question. <laughs> because if you have to go, you have to go. Yeah. So my, my question was not. My question was not. Is the coach going to give permission or not? Because it's not about permission. If you have to go to the toilet, you have to go to the toilet. So that is no discussion. Okay. No. The question was, if you have to go to the toilet, if a player has to go to the toilet, can players just walk in and out at their own convenience? Or does the coach expect his players to communicate that the player is going to the toilet? What would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. After, yeah, for sure. I hope you understand that I can go on and on and on and on and on. Eh? After 15 years of coach education, <laughs> I can go on and I have 100 examples like this. And what is the bottom line? What is the message? Back home, when they work with players, coaches have all these expectations of players. And for good reasons, eh? they have... They want their players to be in time for good reasons. Mm -hmm. They want their players to put their phone away for good reasons. Yes. But then when those coaches come to the course, they do whatever they want. Yeah. But if, if something is true in your meeting with your players, it's also true in a course. Yeah. It's not different. So 
those coaches who come to a course, they are hypocrites. Yeah, they have double standards. They are very, very bad role models. Yes. And I can teach any knowledge that I want to any coach. But if this coach is a very bad role model, my efforts are in vain. Yes. Because this bad role model with this knowledge is going to mess up anyway back home. Because the players will see that he is a bad role model. Yes. Because if he is too late in my course, he might also be too late back home. Yes. So at some stage, I thought I can teach coaches whatever I want. But step number one is that coaches should be good role models. Because what is the biggest impact of a parent on a child? The behavior of the parent or the words of the parent? What would you say? Yeah, the behavior. The behavior. Yeah. The behavior of the parent is the number one tool to raise children. It's the same with coaches. Your behavior as a coach is your number one coaching tool. It has much more impact than your words. So I deliver a course and then I have all these bad role models in front of me who are too late, messing around with their phone, walking in and out at their own convenience. They leave one hour early. Yes. But if I leave one hour early as a coach educator, they have an opinion about me. So the coach educator is not allowed to leave one hour early, but they are allowed to leave one hour early. So how about that for double standards? You see? And the thing is, the, the coaches, before you teach them anything, you have to make them think, reflect, am I a good role model or not? Yes? So that is the first thing. Yes? So... During my courses, and that's why I call the classroom the dressing room, the bar is as high as the bar is back home when the coaches work with players. Yeah, so I expect coaches to practice what they preach. So that in itself is already an, a, a valuable experience for coaches during the course because they experience whether or not they struggle with their own rules, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, their players cannot mess around with their phone. And then during my course, they struggle not to mess around with their phone. So basically, they are, they are struggling with their own rules. So that in itself is already a very valuable experience. And more importantly, when you talk about personal development, Every human being has a unconscious brain. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that unconscious brain is what you call a library of life. So everything that you have experienced in your life is more or less stored in your unconscious brain. Now, just imagine, just as a metaphor, just imagine that you are a child and you are eight years old. And as a child, 
you have a very negative experience with authority because of a father figure, a teacher, or a coach who, who has authority, but like a dictator. So unconsciously, this child now develops a negative association with authority. So this child in his unconscious brain now develops a unconscious anti-authority button with the subsequent emotions. But because the child is six or eight, the child is not aware of it, that it develops this button. And then at some stage, the child is uh, 25. The child is an adult. And the child is driving on the highway. And at some stage, a police officer pulls him to the side of the road. And the police officer steps out of the car. And without the police officer having said or done anything, the person already has emotions and has already raised his voice and is already projecting emotions onto the police officer who hasn't said or done anything yet. What is happening here? The police officer, uniform, an authority stimulus, is accidentally triggering a button in the unconscious brain of this 25-year-old adult, activating the emotions that belong to the past when the child was eight. But because this 25-year-old adult is unconscious of this button, the adult thinks that the emotions that are activated belong to that moment, to the present. Yes. So now this adult is a slave of his past. Yeah, because every time that stimuli in his surrounding are accidentally pressing and activating, pressing buttons and activating subsequent emotions, this person thinks that those emotions belong to the present. So now people will think, eh, why is the coach reacting like this? Because normally he reacts like that. You see? So basically you are shooting yourself in your own foot. You are not doing yourself any justice. And every human being has those unconscious buttons in his brain. The problem is that human beings, most human beings are accumulating those buttons unconsciously. So they are not aware of them. So then the rest of their life, those buttons are activated without the adult knowing it. And that is why people say, wherever you go, there you are. Yeah, Wherever you go, you take yourself with you. Hey, you take your buttons with you. What does personal development mean? Personal development means that you become conscious of those unconscious buttons. Because that consciousness allows you 
to either avoid certain situations in the future so that the buttons are not activated anymore and the subsequent emotions or uh, because sometimes you cannot avoid certain situations that at least you know hey i have to be careful now because i'm vulnerable in this situation so now you can do damage control you can manage your button yes so personal development means becoming conscious of your unconscious buttons in your brain and what am i doing in my courses i take coaches sometimes outside their comfort zone hoping to activate one or more unconscious time bombs ticking time bombs in their brain and if i do something or i create a certain situation and then the player or the the coaches experience discomfort they can now do two things they can associate the discomfort with me yes they are what a, what an idiot which means that they will be unconscious of this button the rest of their life so they will be a slave of their surrounding for the rest of their life or they can say hey hold on a minute why am i experiencing discomfort in my brain right now because my neighbor over there he is still smiling so apparently the same stimulus had a different effect on a different brain maybe because that person doesn't have the button that i have but what is this button so in my courses i sometimes overload one or more coaches helping them to become conscious of their unconscious buttons yes in other words personal development and then it is their job to ref to reflect and ask themselves the question why did raymond manage to activate this discomfort in my brain why is raymond basically in charge of my brain how on earth could that have happened because now in the safe environment of the classroom raymond is in charge of my brain but tomorrow outside in the jungle other people with bad intentions are in charge of your brain because if people find out that you have these weak these weak spots in your brain they can take advantage of that yes i do it to make you aware of it other people will press that button to take advantage of you yes mm. so you better become conscious of your unconscious buttons and obviously yeah obviously there will always be one or more people who walk out of my classroom thinking what a strange experience what an idiot yes but that is collateral damage yeah that i am more than happy to accept because first of all they are only a few people and secondly the positives are much bigger than the negatives because the people who do understand what i do 
and the people who do identify one or more buttons in their brain, either during the course or after the course, when they are evaluating, yeah, they have not only improved as a coach, but they have improved as a human being. They have improved as a, as a parent because they think, yeah, hold on a minute. The button that Raymond managed to press during the course, my, my teenage child who is in puberty right now is also sometimes activating that button. And then I overreact to my puberty teenager, uh, which is something that I like to avoid in the future, you see? So, of course, sometimes there is collateral damage. And that is why these days I'm a little bit more careful with a one-day course than, for example, with a three-day course or a five-day course. Because when there are multiple days, you have much more time to put these things in perspective than when you have a one-day one course and then something happens at 3 p.m. In the, in the afternoon. Now I only have two hours left to put to make people reflect and to put things in perspective. Yeah, so I also managed to periodize the overload uh, better, and uh, because collateral damage is fine, but you should not have unnecessary collateral damage. So uh, to go back to your question, the if you wanna download knowledge in the brain of coaches you don't need discomfort so that is what you do in the course the content how i do it in the course that is the overload and the personal development because once again i can share i can put all the knowledge in your brain that i want but if you are a bad role model or when you have 10 or 20 buttons in your brain, but you are not aware of it, it doesn't matter how much knowledge I put in your brain because you are gonna screw up anyway. So the role model thing, eh, the high bar in the room and the overload in the room, the personal development is basically creating a precondition so that the knowledge that you transfer will actually be effective when coaches go back home. But let's let's say, because I'm fascinated by this, let's say the self-awareness of a coach before they go to your course is pretty low. They hold themselves to, they have this perception of themselves that is completely inaccurate. And they go to your course and they pick up the phone and, and all of a sudden they're kicked out and it's gone one strike and you're out. Do you revisit with that coach or is it up to them to like to get that self-check? Is there any way you can help them for that or is it it is what it is? Who says that one strike is out? I've heard for a few times that, uh, yeah. Is that true? Well, uh, that, and that, is, that is, for example, um, uh, what I meant. Uh, that is uh, the collateral damage uh, that I refer to. Because one strike is out, uh, that is not coaching, that is not educating. First of all, you start with, at the start of the course, you create a reference, yes? 
So that so then it's then it should already be clear. Yeah. And then secondly, how do you create a reference? You are not squeezing, you are not squeezing your rules through their throat. No, I ask coaches questions. Uh, can players be too late uh, for your training? No, no, no. Okay, then don't be too late in my training. Can they mess around with their phone? No, of course not. Okay, then don't mess around with your phone in my session. Do you see? So, first of all, you are very clear from the beginning. And secondly, you are not telling adults what to do. You ask them questions. And basically you say, okay, if that is your expectation of your players, today I expect you to practice what you preach. Yes. Okay. And then you say, okay, is this reference clear to everybody? Yes. Okay. Uh, do you agree with this reference or is this very strange? Or have I just done what you normally do with your team? Yeah. Okay. So everybody understands. So that is already a very strong starting point. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And then there's always the possibility that something happens, right? And then the question is, if you address that, is somebody going to take responsibility? Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. Or is somebody who one hour ago says, yeah, 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 everything is very clear. One hour later, he is messing around with his phone. You put the reference of one hour ago in front of him, and then he says, yes, but. Then it's out. Yeah, that's true. Because you created a reference by asking questions. Then the adults in front of you take ownership. They say, yes, that is also what I do back home. Then something happens and something can always happen. And then this, L, this, this adult says, yes, but. Look, if I speak with my six-year-old son, okay, then yes, but can happen. Because you talk about a six-year-old child. Yes? But what you often see is that adults say that they want to be treated like adults at their own convenience. Mm -hmm. Yes? Mm -hmm. Because when I showed in the mirror, yeah, all of a sudden it is okay to act like my six-year-old son acts. Yes, but. Yeah? So... When, it, when he wants, he's going to say to you, hey, please treat me like an adult. And then when you show an adult the mirror that he agreed with a reference that he's also applying back home, and you show that reference in front of that coach, and then this coach says, yes, but. Listen. Do you see that it, it's a total waste of time to have any further conversation? How on earth is this adult going to coach his players back home? You see? Mm. So the reference is his reference back home. He agreed with it. Then he made a mistake, which can happen. You show him the reference. All he has to do is, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, yeah. I would also show my player the reference. If my player all of a sudden picks up the phone 
uh, in a team meeting. Yes. Uh, look, if you are coaching players, yes, and one of your players is picking up the phone in a team meeting after you made everything very clear, are you going to kick that player out? Yes or no? Or are you going to have a conversation with that player? If the standards already been set and they're on their phone in the meeting, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get them out, but you're gonna revisit it. Yeah, to teaching. Gonna, but the thing is, I revisit it in front of everybody, so that everybody can learn from it. Because the moment I address the coach in the classroom, everybody can observe. So now we are not talking about coaching; they are experiencing coaching. And what did we say? What is more important? Experiencing, you see? So That's now they see, they see how I ask questions. Was the reference clear? Yes. Mm. Uh, did you agree with the reference? Yes. Uh, what would you do back home if your players would do what you just did? And then if the coach takes responsibility, he puts his hand up. Yeah, he said, yeah, 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 stupid. Yeah. Then we move on. But if the adult, the adult coach in the classroom starts to act like my six-year-old son, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, do you see that now the bar is dropping in the room? Yeah. So what you see, especially football coaches, yeah, because like I, yeah, like I showed, the bar is really, really low in football. Yes, the... Most football coaches, the way they behave is so low. That is so low. Yeah, that, but yeah, nobody, nobody holds them accountable because in coach education, they get away with it. Yeah, that's why I asked you all these questions mm. earlier on. So all these double standards and all this hypocrite behavior, coaches get away with it. Nobody shows them the mirror. Nobody holds them accountable. Yes, and I do. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, yes, they want to be treated like an adult. But then all of a sudden, when it doesn't suit them, they start to behave like my six-year-old son. And they say, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. Yeah. And the moment that an adult, when the situation is so clear, when the adult says, yes, but, that is the moment in the classroom that I make the decision that I basically sacrifice the adult who is behaving like a child. So I give up on him. Yes. Yeah. When I see an adult acting like a child, okay, waste of time. Yeah. So I give up on him. And then I use the situation for the 49 other people in the room so that they can see how you can very calmly but very clearly very objectively how you can manage situations like that and if a coach yeah has to leave the room and he waits till the end of the day i always sit down with that coach and i i i reflect and but you know what happens if these coaches are emotional and they go home and they blame the mirror yes 
and they don't understand that they're looking at themselves when they see the mirror. That is the collateral damage um, that I'm talking about. Because you know what? I'm a coach educator. I am not a social worker. Yes. So the football world is full with adult football coaches acting like a child. Yes. Look at all these football coaches who look how they behave at the sideline when the referee makes a mistake. Look how they behave. Yeah. That's not a pretty picture, right? Mm. They are shouting. They are emotional. They get angry. And uh, what did we say was the biggest impact on children? Words or behavior? Behavior. Yeah. So mm. all these adult coaches who are acting like an idiot at the sideline, what kind of role model are they for their youth players or also adult players? They are very, very bad role models. And these coaches who are misbehaving at the sideline, are we talking about a few coaches or are there many coaches who behave like this at the sideline? What would you say? Is it an exception or is it the rule? Oh, it's the rule for sure. It's the rule, yeah. But nobody, nobody puts a mirror in front of them. Nobody holds them accountable for their misbehavior. Yes, because they always try to escape. Yes, but, yes, but. But when they say yes, but at their club, they get away with it. But in my classroom, when we have created a very clear reference that, oh, by the way, is the same reference that you use back home. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then when, I, when you make a mistake and we are all human beings, so we all make mistakes. But when you make a mistake and I put the reference in front of you as a mirror, if you are an adult, you say, yeah, 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 yeah. Stupid mistake. Sorry. And also to your colleagues in the room. Sorry for lowering the bar in the room. I apologize. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, that is what that is how an adult behaves. Yeah, if you pick up the phone after all, yes, and you know what? Sometimes there is a very good reason why you have to pick up the phone, because maybe some maybe your wife is pregnant or mm -hmm. whatever. But you know what? Even when you have to keep an eye on your phone, when the reference is clear and the reference is the same as your reference back home, but then you think, hey, I understand the phone rule, but I have to keep an eye on my phone because something at work or my wife is pregnant or somebody is ill. What is now your responsibility? If you see the, the phone reference and you know that today you have to be outside that reference for very good reasons. What is now your responsibility before the course starts? What is your responsibility? Yeah, committing to the reference that everyone's created. Or communicate to the, to the coach educator. Hey, yeah. coach, I totally agree with the phone reference uh, because I also expect the same from my players back home. But is it okay? if I keep my phone on the desk because my wife is pregnant, yeah, you should communicate. 
And then, based on empathy, the coach educator will say, yes, of course, because there are more important things in life than a course. So yes, you can keep your phone on the, on the table. Oh yeah, by the way, only be, because of your wife and not because of other things, yeah? Okay. You see, so that is how adults be, treat each other. But you know what happens then? That somebody listens to the phone reference, agrees with the phone reference, because back home he has the same expectations of his players. Then he thinks, yeah, but I have to keep my phone on the table because my wife is pregnant. Then he doesn't communicate with me. Then his wife calls. He picks up the phone. I say, hey, what are you doing? And he says, yeah, my wife is pregnant. And he thinks he is right. Do you understand that this person has made a mistake? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, your wife is more important than the course. But the moment you step into the course and the course has a no phone policy, and you have to keep an eye on your phone, you have to communicate and say, hey, is it okay if I use my phone? And mm -hmm. I always say to somebody, of course, because if somebody's ill, that's more important than course. So everybody can always keep his phone on the table in that situation. But it is your responsibility to communicate with me. Because you know what? If a player is in a traffic jam and he can already see that he will be too late for training. Can the player now just arrive late and then he arrives late and he says, yeah, traffic jam. Or does the coach expect the player to make a phone call? Coach, I'm in a traffic jam right now. I will be late. And then being late will be fine. Not fine, but acceptable you see yeah, yeah. so yeah. back home when a player is in a traffic jam so the player already knows i will be late then being late will be fine if the player calls the coach yes mm -hmm. but then when i say but why did you not communicate in advance that you you have to keep an eye on your phone because your wife is pregnant then this adult says to me who do you think you are and uh, do, do you think that you are more important than my wife? You get that kind of conversation. Mm. Do you see that that is a very immature conversation? It's a very immature conversation. But that person with the phone thinks he's right. Yeah. You know why? Because he is an underdeveloped person. Yes. Nobody has put the mirror in front of him. Nobody holds him accountable. So... He pretends that he's an adult, but then when another adult put the mirror in front of him, he starts to act like my six-year-old son. You see? Mm -hmm. And that is and that is the personal development dimension. And, and that is why I do what I do in courses. And when people step outside the reference and I put the mirror in front of them and they take responsibility, we move on. Yeah. Because we are all human beings. We are all making mistakes. I also make mistakes. Okay. Let's move on and learn from it. But when somebody makes a mistake, he steps outside the reference, although 
he committed to the reference. He steps outside the reference. And then when somebody holds him accountable and then he says, yes, but, or who do you think you are? That person doesn't belong in that reference anymore. Mm. Yeah. Ciao. Mm. And then, then you have the collateral damage and then you have the stories uh, that you refer to and uh, that made you laugh like, yeah, I've heard some stories about uh, one strike out. Of course, because if those people who acted like children in my course, yes, they tried to escape responsibility. Uh, that's what I mean with acting like a child. Yeah, a, Your six-year-old child escapes responsibility because he's six years old. But when a 30-year-old adult tries to escape responsibility, it's a different story. Yeah. So first, this adult escapes responsibility. He's acting like a child. Then you uh, say you have to leave. What do you think that coach is going to tell you? Oh, I acted like a child and then I had to leave. Or is he going to say to you, Raymond is a fucking idiot? <laughs> what do you think he's going to say? Yeah, the second one. Yeah. 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 And that's collateral that damage. The, that is that's the collateral yeah. damage. Yeah. yeah. That is the collector, collateral damage. And you know what? The people, the 49 people who are still in the room, they will have they have an unbelievable experience. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they think, ah, finally serious coach education. Yes. Mm -hmm. So this coach educator is not only uh, talking a good game. No. The moment somebody steps out of the reference, he holds the person accountable. And when the person tries to escape, acting like a child, the person has to leave. Do you understand that instantly the course for everybody else has much more meaning? 100%. And you're more flexible. I, I think you're more flexible when you explain that where the outside perception is. I mean, if they're, if you're willing to have a conversation with someone after it and you're willing to accept people putting their hand up, then I think that's, I think that's really flexible. And you know what's very powerful? It doesn't matter who you are. I have had high people with high status in the football world. Yes. Nobody is putting a mirror in front of them. Yes. So they thought that they were allowed to do whatever they want, despite me introducing the reference. Yeah. And they also had to leave. Mm. Yes. And then everybody in the room thinks, whoa, this is this is really serious stuff. Yeah. So everybody's going to sit straight up and think, ah, oh, finally, finally, serious coach education. You mm. see, instead of kindergarten. Yeah. Because, yeah, coach education around the world is kindergarten. Yes. Everybody is allowed to do whatever he wants. Yeah, there is no high bar. The information that is shared is nine out of 10 times totally arbitrary. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not proven. It is just presented. And as a result, we have a very, very subjective football world. Yeah, based on opinions and past experiences rather than knowledge. Let me give you an example. Just to, uh, to prove again, prove the point. 
if you are ill, if you are ill, and you can choose between two doctors, would you choose the doctor with a lot of medical knowledge, or would you choose the doctor with a lot of medical experience? Which one would you choose? Experience. Not medical knowledge? Or are you now devil's advocate? <laughs> no, no, I, I want someone who's got experience in being with treatment. I don't, I don't want a student who's just coming out of the... I don't know. I'm not talking about a student. Hmm. A knowledgeable person or somebody without knowledge, but with trial and error, a lot of experience. So it's a black and white. It's, that is why I use this metaphor. It is a black and white metaphor. Would you prefer somebody with a lot of medical knowledge? So he, is a, he, he has knowledge about diseases, knowledge about medicines, knowledge about uh, anything, symptoms. Or do you want somebody who did not go to medical school, so he does not have uh, a lot of medical knowledge, but he has had a lot of medical experience. In other words, with trial and error, he, he tried to develop himself as a doctor. I, I don't want a trial and error doctor. I, I want someone who's been qualified and has the bank of experiences. Yeah, okay, but that is why that is that is the funny thing, of course. Eh? That is why I said devil's advocate. That is the power, that is the power of a black and white metaphor. So do you choose somebody with a lot of medical knowledge, or would you choose somebody with a lot of medical experience? Which one would you choose? Experience. So he doesn't have medical knowledge. He, he, he has the experiences from, he's still qualified, like any doctor has done. But I want, a, I want a doctor who's been on the operating table. I want a doctor who's got experiences, a base of experiences behind them. I don't want the doctor who's just coming from, again, with no experience. I think experience is very, very important. In, in okay, medicine. look, I'm going to theorize your reaction. Yes. So now I'm going to show you the mirror. <laughs> because this is this is fascinating. You, you are answering a question that I don't ask. You answer as if I said, do you want a doctor with a lot of medical knowledge, but without experience? Or do you want a doctor with a lot of medical knowledge and also a lot of experience? That is how you answered the question but that was not my question so you answered a question that i did not ask the question that i asked was a black and white metaphor if you have to choose between a doctor who has a lot of medical knowledge yes so he has a lot of knowledge about diseases symptoms medicines which medicine with which disease or do you want somebody who has a lot of medical experience in other words he did a lot of trial and error experimenting so only experience so without the knowledge he figured it out himself that is why i said black and white metaphor 
do you want somebody with a lot of medical knowledge or somebody with a lot of medical experience? Which one would you choose? All right, so I'm going to explain why I'm choosing experience because they're going to, I'm going to choose experience because if they are a doctor, they've been exposed to the education to be a doctor. So I don't know that the knowledge, so that I, they are going through, they've gone through the knowledge, they, haven't, they have the information. That is your assumption and that is why I use this metaphor. Because maybe this doctor, yes, does not have all the information. That depends on how much studying the doctor did. Mm -hmm. Does he only have a, a general uh, study? Uh, did he only do a general degree, or did he all do all kind of specializations? You see, so that was your assumption, mm -hmm. and that is why you answered a question that uh, I gave a metaphor, a black and white metaphor but you had a different picture in your head and you answered the question based on the picture that you had in your head rather than taking literally what I said. So let's try again. You have a person with a lot of medical knowledge or you have a person with a lot of medical experience. So black and white, <laughs> which one would you choose? It's, it's, is the knowledge, is there any knowledge in the, is there any experience with the knowledge? Just answer the question. Which one would you choose? I'm taking, I would take medical. You're talking medical, I'm talking, I'm saying experience, Raymond, all day. Okay, then you uh, are, you are well at your place in the football world. <laughs> you know what the funny thing is? You know what the funny thing is? You should do a questionnaire. You should do a uh, questionnaire with everybody who's listening. I'll put it up right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, knowledge. Or Black and white metaphor. What would you choose? Medical knowledge or medical experience? Here we go. All right, starting to stabilize a little bit now. No, knowledge at 68, experience at 32. Yeah. Exactly. And if these people uh, had chosen without this conversation, the difference is probably even bigger. So the point with this metaphor, the point with this metaphor is that in normal life, knowledge is of a higher order than experience. Yes. Objective knowledge yeah, is reliable. Knowledge is reliable. Knowledge is factual. Yes. It's objective. Experience is not reliable because experience is subjective. Yeah? It might be true for you in that situation at that time. But it doesn't mean that it's true for me somewhere else. Yes. So knowledge is of a higher order than experience. So that is why the majority of people in normal life, and of course, the metaphor is a crazy example. Medical knowledge and medical experience is a crazy example because it's a black and white. 
And in practice, it's not black and white because in practice, it is knowledge and experience. And that is why I said you answered a question that I did not ask. In, in, in normal life, yes, it is knowledge and then it is the subjective application of that knowledge. And that is what you call experience. Yes. So in normal life, people rely on knowledge more than experience. They, they trust, they trust knowledge more than somebody's opinion. When the pandemic, when the pandemic, maybe I should have asked that question. When the pandemic was there, what would you trust more knowledge or somebody's experience? Yeah, I'm probably going to go with knowledge at that moment because it, yeah. it hasn't been experienced. Okay, I rest my case. Um, <laughs> so maybe for you, the pandemic was a better example. Yes, Because when you are a patient and you go to the doctor, you are also not a medical expert. You see? So it's similar to you not knowing anything about the pandemic. So knowledge is of a higher order than experience in normal life. But in the football world, who is of a who is higher in the food chain? Somebody with a lot of knowledge or somebody who has played 100 games for the national team? Someone with a lot of uh, someone the experience definitely uh, yeah. in football for sure. Yeah. So do you see that that is the world upside down? But, but I mean, you that's why you've worked with. With Gus Hiddink, who has the belt of a, a bank of knowledge of of information alongside the knowledge experiences, how to deal with people, how to handle situations, how to see pictures, there is a root. Surely there is power for those type of experience that it does it does hold ground, especially in international football. Like I said, like I said. In, in practice, it is both. It is knowledge and experience. Yeah. That's why I said it is a black and white metaphor. Yes. So you did not literally answer my question. Yeah, you did not answer the metaphor. No. You answered from real life. Because in real life, it's both. Mm. Yes. But I start with the black and white metaphor to create a hierarchy between knowledge and experience. And then in normal life, you say it's both, but knowledge is what you apply and experience is how you apply it, how you anticipate all kinds of external factors. So in normal life, it is knowledge and experience, but knowledge and experience. Knowledge is the information experience is the application you see and knowledge is true for every coach experience application is different for every coach because every coach is working in a different environment anticipating different external factors yes so knowledge is of the highest order is the same for everybody but when you apply that knowledge, it is different for everybody at the level of the how, the experience. Yeah. What is the problem in the football world? There is no football knowledge or hardly any football knowledge. 
Uh, if you go to courses or when you read books, people are not presenting objective football knowledge. No, they are presenting their subjective application. They are presenting how they do things. Yeah, so they are presenting how they anticipate on external factors that you don't have. Yeah? Yeah. And that is the problem in the football world, that people think that everybody everything is subjective and that everything is debatable and that everything is an opinion and that you can also disagree with everything. Yeah, And that is why the level of thinking is so low in the football world. Yeah? Because FIFA did not introduce a universal football language. And FIFA did not introduce universal football references. So what is happening in the football world? First of all, people think that everything is an opinion and that everything you can agree or disagree with everything. Mm -hmm. And secondly, they are using their own words. So they have their own alphabet. They have their own grammar. They have their own language. Yeah. So what kind of chaos is that? So opinions instead of knowledge exchanged with everybody using his own grammar, own alphabet, own language. That's a very sad world. Yeah. And that is the football world. And I think the last four months on the internet has been a perfect example because people were at home. They were not able to train, so they went on the internet, and we have been bombarded by subjective, arbitrary information, mm. yeah, which is brain pollution. Yeah? <laughs> it is brain pollution because you should only share information that you can prove. Yeah, You should not pollute the brain and the thinking of somebody else with arbitrary information that you cannot prove. And although everybody had good intentions the last four months on the internet, it has been a tsunami of very arbitrary information. Yes. Like I said, pure brain pollution. Because here at the level of subjective application, I have to figure it out myself. I want people to present objective knowledge that I can trust. And then I will apply it myself because I am the only one who knows my external factors and knows how to anticipate those external factors and nobody else. So I don't want somebody to present his subjective application because that person is working in a different environment. I want people to present objective, reliable knowledge. And then I will apply it myself back home. And what is happening in the football world? People are presenting subjective application. Yes. So they go to a course and then somebody is presenting. Yeah, we at Chelsea, we do it like this. Oh, and then everybody's very impressed. Yeah, because everybody's listening how the people at Chelsea are anticipating external factors that the people in the room don't have. But standing ovation. Yeah, but you haven't learned anything. Why? Because back home you have different external factors. 
No, coach education should take place at the level of objective, reliable information, knowledge, not at the level of subjective experience. Because everybody's subjective experience is different because everybody is working in a different environment. Yes. And that is why I was using that metaphor. Um, the problem in the football world is subjectivity. There is a place for subjectivity. There is a place for experience, but knowledge is of a higher order. Hmm. Yes. And that is why I said, who is higher in the food chain? Somebody with a lot of somebody with a lot of football knowledge or somebody who has played 100 games for the national team with a lot of experience. Who is who is higher in the food chain? The player. The player. So in normal life, experience is or in normal life, knowledge is of a higher order than experience. But in the football world, experience is of a higher order or rated higher than knowledge. Now, I rest my case. Yeah, the football world and the low bar in a nutshell. So the behavior of many coaches is very sad. And the lack of knowledge of coaches is very sad because most coaches have a brain full with subjective and arbitrary information. Yeah. And the number one organization to blame is FIFA. They are the ones to blame because it is their responsibility to solve this problem, but they will never, ever solve it. Last one, Faye, if you've got it, like along this topic, if you were to come, you spend a lot of time in the United States, if you were to come over here and revamp coach education, what would be the first thing you would do? Develop a foundation based on what I shared in this session. Hmm. Knowledge over experience. You should, you should educate coaches at the level of the what? Knowledge. You should not educate coaches at the level of the how? Subjective application. That is the responsibility of the coach. Yes. But a lot of, in a lot of courses, they are not presenting uh, objective information. They are not presenting uh, objective knowledge. They are presenting flavors of the month, arbitrary information, information that can easily be falsified. And coach educators are often telling coaches how to do things. But a coach educator should not tell a coach how to do things because how you should do things depends on your situation back home. You should educate coaches what to do. And then the coach has to figure out himself how to do it based on his specific external factors. So coach education should take place at the level of objective knowledge and not at the level of subjective application. But that does happen. Yeah. A lot of coach education around the world takes place at the level of subjective application. And that is the first thing that you should uh, change.
and um, nou ja, and then everything else is a logical consequence of that. Hmm. Fantastic. Raymond, I can't thank you enough. This has been fascinating. I absolutely appreciate your insight. I appreciate your time. Um, a lot of people asking the, for the book, uh, where can they get it? Yeah, we have tomorrow, July 1, we will uh, reopen uh, the webshop because we temporarily closed it because uh, the borders of many countries were closed. So we were sending books, but they never arrived. So I think a lot of packages have uh, gone uh, missing. Uh, it, it looks better with the US. It's, uh, it, it's still a question mark sometimes, but um, tomorrow we will uh, reopen the webshop. So people can go to the website uh, fcevolution.com. So football coach evolution, fcevolution.com. And they can go to the webshop for, uh, for the book. Or they can go to the website in general uh, to find more information about the online one-year uh, mentorship, which is uh, a one-year uh, online course based on objective knowledge rather than the flavor of the month. And there will be 12 topics from uh, football tactics to technique training, fitness training, periodization, psychology, everything. And every month there will be one topic. And on the first of every month, I will deliver a one hour course about the topic of that month. Then on the 15th of the month, I will do a Q&A based on the questions of coaches after the one hour course. So every month, based on the topic of the month, a one hour course and a one hour Q&A. And on top of that, I will do uh, interviews, conversations with experts in the area of the topic of that month. So uh, if the topic is football tactics, I will have one hour conversations with an expert in that area on top of the one hour course and the one hour Q&A. So people who want to find out more about the one year online mentorship, they can also find that information uh, on our website uh, next to uh, the information about the book. Brilliant. Brilliant. Raymond, stay safe. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck. Thanks so much to Raymond for his time and his insight there. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah, it was it was a fun interview. I had a lot of people reach out to me afterwards and ask me what I thought. That was the first time I'd ever really spoke to Raymond. And, you know, I've obviously heard a lot in the coaching community, people that go on his courses. And I've been fascinated by, you know, the impact that he's made. And you know, I thought there was some really, really great information in that in that interview, part one and part two. In terms of part two, I suppose, and in terms of coach education, you know, I do see where he's coming from in terms of challenging coaches to, you know, how they're learning. And I do think coach education, you know, I've done conferences, conventions, you know, I know he's been vocal about people walking in and out. And I do see that there. And I do think that, yeah, it's, it's almost where we have a culture of well I'll take a little bit of this and i'll take a little bit of that and i'll try this and i'll try that but what anything goes down to is the commitment you know when you look at the top managers the top coaches the commitment to their craft and the commitment to their philosophy is probably what sets them apart so 
you know, we're not really training or teaching or focusing on that level of commitment. We're just focusing on the information. That's a problem across the board. I don't think it's a US problem. I don't think it's a, a certain federation or certain organization. I just think that's the the society that we're living in at the minute and that's what we're battling. And I like that Raymond is challenging that there. I really, really do. But in doing that, you, you also, where he said, what's the objective? If the objective is teaching, then then great. Then hold the standard to teaching and learning. Um, when you go in and you you know you 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 kick someone out of the course, you know are are they seeing a lesson there, or are they seeing that they've they've squandered a lot of money in that there? And that's where I would probably, yeah, I would disagree oh, absolutely. Looking at you know the objective is is teaching and learning. The objective is not manners. You know the objective is not putting your phone down for two hours doesn't make you a great coach either you know let's you know showing up early doesn't make you a great coach you know uh, listening for two three hours at a time doesn't make you a great coach it helps but it doesn't make you a great coach let's not say that the bar is higher because someone put their phone down for two or three hours I think I actually think the bar needs to be higher in terms of how we're learning and in that there you know the one thing that I took away with how we're learning is constantly asking questions that are are pretty basic and then saying you know do you want the cake or the fruit the fruit of course would you take the cake or the fruit when you're tired the cake so that's where yeah but does that lead you down a road of agreeing with someone or does that lead you down a road of challenging your own thinking and I would rather challenge your own thinking and that was where you know when you disagree with someone that was where I thought okay all right now I've disagreed with you on the the doctor and the knowledge and the experience now you know, move my move my thoughts, you know, expose what I'm not seeing here. But saying that someone's an idiot or, or calling someone to a poll, which is probably the most subjective thing that you could probably do in terms of like, let's get everyone's opinion, put it in a new number and then show it that you're wrong. I wasn't really convinced about that, I have to say. So those were two areas like, you know, I, I'm all about challenging, but but again, I think it's a really good topic that, that once you challenge someone and, and you do expose them and hold the mirror up, whatever you want to call it, you don't solve the problem because fear is not is not a, a good condition for learning either. Usually when you put fear in people, you know, it puts people's the bar the the walls go up, they get defensive. That's that's again, that's not a bad coach. That's that's human nature. So exposing that can help, but it doesn't solve learning. And I think, you know, that was my thing. What I've said to a few coaches is, yeah, like it's great, it's brilliant, but I think he can do more. I think that that we can be a little bit more um, open to our coach education from what I've seen and where it's moving, especially in the United States, it's moving to a level of self-awareness. And they're just meeting the coaches where they are. You know, whereas Raymond wants to meet them in an ideal world, that's fine. It's demand and it's tough. There's no problem. But do you make a bigger impact meeting someone where they are and introducing reflection review processes, or do you make meet them where they are, where they're, where you want them to be, and almost like, you know, make it more impactful by, you know, uh, shouting them out in front of people or calling them and 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 yeah, letting everyone see how you can provoke a reaction <laughs> I'm not convinced I mean it's not my style and that's fine I think that's fine but 
it's a good topic and, and definitely one that I, I've I've spoke to quite a few coaches about. I actually still having conversations this morning and it was nearly a, you know, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. So we'd love to know your thoughts at Gary Kernin on Instagram, at Gary Kernin on Twitter. Always appreciate you listening to the podcast. Before you go, if you wouldn't mind giving it a rating on the iTunes page, just helps with the sponsors. Thank you so much. Please check out Oliver Gage's Coach Tech course. Much appreciated. We'll speak to you very soon. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.